Welcome back to Dealer Tech Tuesdays. On deck today, we've got an industry veteran, a mentor making real change, a committed volunteer, and the corporate controller for a headquarter automotive group, Cheryl Lopez. All right. So Cheryl. Yes. The famous Cheryl Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Finally, we were able to get this. Finally. Coordinated. Only took a few years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, Cheryl, you've been in the business for north 30 years. Yes, 33 years. 33 years. And I know you have a pretty interesting story of how you got into the car business and then what your trajectory is in the car business. But before we get into that, sure. can you tell me who you are and what you do? Yes. Uh, my name is Cheryl Lopez. I'm the corporate controller for Headquarter Automotive. And uh, we have four stores, one in Miami and three in Central Florida. Nice. So how competitive is the Miami market compared to Central Florida market? Um, Central Florida is growing. It's growing okay. all the time. And, um, you know, I know we sell a lot more cars in Miami, um, Central Florida, a little smaller. Um, but it's so up and coming. I mean, you would drive down the road there and there's just so much building going on. And, and what was mm. an empty field is now huge uh, BJ's or Costco's or yeah. dealerships. It's just, it's growing and growing and growing. So it's definitely uh, going to be there. And you guys are mainly on like the I-4 corridor, right? Is that? Um, just off the turnpike on State Road 50 are two of our locations, Honda and Mazda. And um, just off I-4 in Sanford is our Hyundai store. Okay. Which is in, um, it's in Sanford. Yes, it's just off I-4 in that area. Okay. And so how did you, tell me a little bit about your origin story. How did you get into the car business? Why the car business? Okay, so it's really interesting. Um, I never thought about going into the car business ever, of course. Um, my mom worked in the dealership. So your mom was in the car business? My mom was in the car business. Okay. What she, did she do in the car business? She was a warranty administrator. Okay. For a layman group. Okay. Um, and she um, did warranty for them. She worked in their car rental division. She was a service cashier, a parts secretary. So she kind of made her way through the fixed ops department. Okay. And um, one day she came home and said, they're looking for a file clerk. And at the time, I was 16 years old, and I was just starting my senior year of high school. Oh, wow. And I worked. So I scooped ice cream. <laughs> So first scooping ice cream, then a file clerk at a dealership. And then a file clerk at the dealership. Oh, my gosh. Yes. But, I mean, obviously you had your mom to kind of, uh, like, guide you or sherpa you through the the experience, right? Well, I mean, she worked in service, and the file clerk was for accounting. So she basically Ooh, okay. handed me to accounting and said, you know, there's this, the, the title clerk, her name is Bobby. She's fantastic. If you don't know what to do, go to her. She will guide you. And Bobby and I are still... Very, very good friends to this day. Oh, wow. Is Bobby still in the car business? She is. She is actually a title clerk for Lehman Leasing. Oh, wow. And okay. She's been in, um, she's worked for the Lehman Group um, since the, or since 1982, I believe. Wow. So yeah, I mean, Lehman, Lehman in South Florida is a, a huge state. Oh, absolutely. You know, they'll probably get back into the car business after selling to Lithia, but, you know, good for them. Very happy for, yes, that, absolutely. for that organization. Yeah. So you started with the file clerk, and then what was that like? Um, it was interesting. Um, I started filing, and the only thing that I really noticed is with the work they would give me, I would get it done really fast. Okay. And then I was like, okay, what else can you show me? What else can I do? My mom worked until 6, and I got there. Um, you know, she would pick me up. I, I did the school where you went to school until 12, and then okay. you had a job. 
So she would come on her lunch break, pick me up from school, and I would go back to the dealership with her. So I needed to fill those six hours. So mm. just giving me a small stack of filing wasn't really cutting it for me. I'm like, okay, well, what else do you want me to do? Um, you know, and then it just started, you know, separating paperwork, um, filling in for the receptionist for her lunch break. Okay. And then, which became being the receptionist on Saturdays, whenever they needed someone to fill in. Um, basically, I learned how to do the different jobs in the office when people were either out sick out on vacation. Okay. Or someone came in, you know, um, during someone's lunch break and I needed to figure things out. So I basically learned how to do some title work by going to the drawer and looking at photocopies of title work that was done on the last <laughs> car deal okay. and saying, okay, does this look okay? And uh, faxing a copy over to one of our sister stores to title clerks and saying, does this look right? And she said, yeah. So I said, okay. <laughs> well, and that's how title work began. Oh, wow. So you would basically be a floater in the office, just kind of covering for people. Floater in the office, and then I started doing their deposit every day. Okay. So that's where, you know, that started, counting all the money, brought in from all the departments, make sure everything, you know, balanced out. Um, and I did that, floated around the office, um, built car deals for them, did some title work, did a lot of fleet. We, we used to do thousands of fleet cars mm. for Alamo and Enterprise. Yeah. So we would do 2,500 pieces of title work in a couple weeks for Jeez. fleet cars. And I'll re always remember our, our fleet manager, Marianne, with the uh, license plates and the screwdriver out there with her high heels on, putting the license plates on all the cars. <laughs> she was the best. She was the best. Um, oh, gee. Well, but, but, yeah. What was the car business like back then? It was, it was crazy. Um, I mean, I worked for a store. We had Buick, Saab, Hyundai, and we had a Mitsubishi store, Subaru, Suzuki, Suzu, Hummer. Okay. So we were really, really busy, especially in our service department. Our service department um, at that location served nine, um, seven different manufacturers. Oh, my gosh. So it was, the parts department was crazy. It was just, it was crazy because there, so, there was so much going on. And, um, no, it was just really interesting to learn. It was, it was very, very busy, definitely. You know, phones rang off the hook. Nobody had cell phones. Yeah, nobody had Phones cell rang off the hook. We all learned um, everything on a green screen. I remember yeah. the day the first computer came in, everybody was scared to touch it. So it was definitely very interesting, um, um, you know, the car business back then. It, it, was, a, it was not as, um, it, it was just different. It was different. We were very much a Friend, you know, family, everybody went yeah. out to dinner afterwards. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> it was the 90s. <laughs> it was the 90s, yeah. So you saw the transition basically from, you know, paper to, to, to computer, right? To the Absolutely. computer infrastructure because you were, you were just really on that cutting edge and you were young, right? So you were already familiar with change. So what was, what was that like? How did you, did that translate, did that skill set translate into your later IT strengths or how did that work? It did a lot because at the time, the computer person's responsibility was data entry okay, and walking into the computer room and changing a reel for the data save. Okay, so, so the backup tape. You were the, you know, air quotes here, computer person because you changed. It was even before backup tapes. It was a gigantic reel. Oh, really? And you would trim the edge off if it wasn't catching when you put it on and it spun. Okay. So then my job every day was to take that reel off, take it to a fireproof save, put it in. And then that night, you know, drop another reel in before I went home. And then posting everything, all of the 
oh, hand type checks. Okay. We would put a check into a typewriter and we would type the check. Okay. And they would give me the you know the carbon copy in the back to post. Okay. So it was data entry and changing a reel. That was you were the computer person. That was it. So the reel actually had the program on it. The reel was like um like where it recorded the data? Where it recorded was, the data. Okay. And then every day you would have to swap out. You'd have to change it every day. Wow. Yeah. And then on the weekends, um, you would do, um, you know, every few months you would have to do a file save, which took like six, eight hours. You would just sit there waiting for that wheel to stop spinning. <laughs> it took a very long time. Very long time. Did you have to actively monitor it or? No. Could you just be like, go in and be like, okay, it's saving. And then when it would stop. No, it would show you on the green screen. It would sit there and blink. Okay. <laughs> so it would just sit there and blink and blink and blink. And there was no cell phone to play on. So you literally just would, would wait. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jeez. So you've seen really what, you know, like paper, then you went to the first kind of infrastructure of, of computers, right? The, yes. the green screen. Um, monitors and then so what was the evolution from there what how did your role transition from when technology starts getting implemented so when um, at the time it was ADP today it's CDK yep um, when they first came in and they're talking to us about laser printers and now our receipts and our checks can print on laser printers and everybody was looking at each other like how on earth does that happen and then it would automatically post into the system so we got this laser printer. Nobody wanted to deal with it. Okay. So, you know, you would just sit with them and start working on some of those setups. And then, you know, this machine started to print a check on check stock and it automatically posted into CDK, into ADP, which was, you know, they were like, wait a minute, we don't have to post this anymore. You know, so it was definitely changing the mindset of people who had been doing things on green bar paper yeah, and on ledger books. For a very long time. Was it with like the green transparent visor and like the, the pencil? <laughs> <laughs> Cigar smoke going up? No, well, they, they didn't smoke. They did smoke in the office as they wrote in pencil yeah, on their right. ledger books. Um, but but no, and nobody wanted to touch these computers when the f computers first came in. I remember we had one. It was our vice president's office. And anytime something needed to be done on the computer, they came out and called me. And they would just hover over me as I sat in a seat and typed. Oh my gosh. You know, no like, pressure. <laughs> no, because you had to start paying sales tax online. So they stood behind me while I entered each figure in and then they checked it and they entered the next. And, you know, it was hard because where is this data going? You know, yeah. um, you know, back before I understood, um, you know, uh, what the internet was, that things went into a cloud, you know, back then it was very like mysterious. And now we know more of what it is. So it was harder for people who were, in the industry um, that had been already working in the car industry 20, 30, 35 years, yeah. did not accept it. Really? And their jobs basically made them accept it because those green screens went away. So we did see, you know, th there were people who just decided to retire, I remember. Yeah. Um, they just didn't want to deal with that anymore. They didn't want to have to log on to a system to balance the credit cards for the day. They were used to just counting up the slips themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it, it was a, a big change for everyone. But, um, and because I was the only one that didn't seem to be afraid of it, they said, well, you're a computer person now. So <laughs> one computer and one dealership <laughs> turned into hundreds of computers over yeah. eight dealerships very, very quickly. So how long did that take? Suddenly you have one computer that everybody's working on and then you're everybody's working on a computer. 
everybody's working on a computer. It probably took a couple of years. The manufacturers were really the ones that pushed us. Okay. I remember Saab was one of the very first that came in and said, you now need to enter warranty claims on a computer. Oh. And, you know, again, they would call me back to the service office and I would sit down and somebody would tell me what to type because nobody wanted to to touch this. Oh my and, gosh. And, and they did, you know, I, I want to say they were, it was like Windows 3.1 and they were like, floppy disks and all okay. sorts of stuff everywhere. And and a lot of people did really embrace it and start using it. Okay. Um and, and it was generally, you know, some of the some of the younger um associates that were there at the time embraced it and, and figured it out. So as the manufacturers started bringing in computers, you now had to order cars on this computer using this um, system. You know, they're the ones who pushed us. Yeah. And then ADP came out with their reflections, inter, you know, reflections, and we had to, um, you know, slowly those computers got replaced. But then came the other issue. Now these computers got viruses, and now these computers broke. Yes. Green screens either, there were two things on green screens. They worked or they didn't. Yeah. That, that was it. Sense. Yeah. There was no virus. <laughs> yeah, there no was nothing. Virus, yep. You no plugged antivirus, it in. If it didn't no, work, yeah. you know, it goes wherever. Yeah. Um, but then all of a sudden, we started running into these problems, and we had to try to fix them. And there was no Googling the problem to figure out how to oh, fix it. God. We just had to fix it and start calling people. Oh. <laughs> so that's how it all began. So anything I learned at that point was definitely learned by doing it, by trying to figure it out. And it's not like you, you could go to a school that had been around for 10 years that is going to start showing you this how to use this stuff. It's just like... Like most things in the car business, like just figure it out, right? Right. FitFo is what, what the after that sticker, right? <laughs> just figure it out, you know. So I, I very much went to um, car dealership college because that was it. Yeah. You know, I learned everything I learned there. Um, yeah, you just had to figure it out. I relied very heavily on those CDK field engineers when they came in. Yeah. I made sense. them my best friends. <laughs> As you know. As I know. I'm still yes, very good exactly. friends with one of them. <laughs> yeah. I made them my best friends because when they would come in, I would follow them around and I would ask a million questions. Oh. You know, I wanted to know sense. why there was a um, a dark line in the middle of the check on the laser printer. Mm. What was happening? Okay, there's some sort of heating element in it and it's not working properly. So changing the toner is not going to work. So I just kept asking and asking and asking. And before you know it, I was able to call in for support and say, hey, the heating element inside my laser printer is broken. Okay. You know, so don't send me a new toner. I need you to send someone out to replace this. So. And already with a part that they're already, oh, like yeah. you're doing the troubleshooting for oh, yeah. them already at oh, that yeah. point. Like, yeah. I need a P-note, I need a modem, I need a crossover cable. I'm like, you know. You need a new printer head for Oh, yeah, I need a print head. Yeah. <laughs> Show me how to change that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then I had a tool, I had a screwdrivers in my desk and oh, wow. 32LQ printer print head. So, yeah, very quickly I figured things out. Jeez. Yeah. So what was the support from ADP? I know... You know, ADP back in the day used to have a different level of support that they have now. What? Tell me a little bit about that. It was tremendous. Really? It was tremendous. To the point where you could call up and you would get a lot of a lot of the time the same people mm. over and over. Um, you know, I remember some of the names, you know, accounting. If I knew I got Bobby in accounting, I knew my problem would be fixed. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and then um, when you would call tech support, um, James, his name was James. Anytime I would call yeah. and I knew I got James, James knew that I needed, 
if I said a peanut is dead and I need a replacement, he would send it and I would change it myself and he would send, we would send the next one back out the next day. So you yeah. kind of built a rapport with them and, and you kind of learned and you didn't have to start in the beginning where, okay, well, did you turn it off and on? Yeah. And yeah. then he's like, hey, Cheryl. And you're like, hey, how's your weekend? Good. What do you, what's going on? It's like, oh, no, I got this peanut that's bad. Was, okay, you already did. Yeah, that's a oh, different yeah. relationship. Oh, yeah. We had something at one point. I don't even remember what it used to do. It was called the Canoga. Okay. And we would, <laughs> so James used to call me Canoga Girl. He's like, hey, Canoga Girl, <laughs> you need a Canoga today. So it was always, um, you know, we were always calling um, because, especially down here with the rainstorms, it seemed like any time yep. there was thunder and lightning, these devices were just so delicate yeah. that they would fry. That makes sense. And and we would need new ones. So the support was unbelievable back then. Um, and, you know, one thing I do miss is when they did roll something out new. They used to send people out to the dealership because there are still many people in the auto industry that need their hands held when yeah. they're learning things. 100%. Many, many, many. Yeah. And companies don't send no. human beings you know out anymore it's all done remotely it's all done on zoom um which for many things it's great make it work nobody has to travel that the expenses are down um but i kind of miss you know them coming out and standing next to a service advisor or yeah. a technician yep however um they do today we you know you pay for it of course you sign up for x amount of visits for year per yeah. uh, year and they send people out yeah, I, th I think that that's such a art that's been lost in technology support. It's like that, man, I like to call it the warm and fuzzy feeling. Yep. It's like just that extra level of customer service, concierge, you have a relationship with the person rather than outsourcing it to God knows where. And it, I mean, maybe if you outsource it to God knows where, but you have people that are part of your team and that you can, that those people build rapport with your customer base, then that might may work. But just having rapport is like, with our team, having somebody be like, oh, I talked to Tin, or I talked to Katrina, or I talked to Juan, or I talked to John, and, you know, they're constantly talking to that people, and that's what we based our, our company off of, and I just don't understand why, you know, they, they, it seems like they step on the customer service for profitability, but it hurts you in the long term. Right, and I mean, you know, it, it's, to get customer service from many different industries these days, it's, it's difficult yeah. to call if you have a problem, I mean. You know, we, we talk about, so I'm, I'm in a group and um, I, have you heard of Clubhouse yet? No. So um, the Clubhouse is like, a, uh, I talk about this way too many times, but um, it's 645 every morning we meet and talk about the car business, right? Dealer principals from, from across the country, oh, cool. vendors, GMs, you know, people that are in the in the day-to-day -day grind, you know, knocking it out, right? From people that have three rooftops to 15 are in there kind of talking. Or like platform managers or, you know, like maybe some manufacturer reps come in. And we all kind of talk about what's going on in the business, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And everybody's talking about, you know, how technology is going to replace all these people. And I'm like, listen, man, you're looking at it from the different wrong direction. Technology can eliminate the repetitive jobs that can be automated, freeing you up to provide a high level of customer service. And like in our world, I can automate chat GPT, most things. But if you can't j jump on the phone and be a warm body on the other side that's having a genuine relationship with the person that you're supporting, they have that confidence to go back to that tool and do their job appropriately. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and actually very recently um, at a conference, there was a vendor there 
that I was so impressed with. I came back to my store and said, I need you guys to see what this vendor's doing. Mm. And it's um, AI. Okay. I'm going to. Yeah, I could I could shout out this vendor, yep, right? Of course, of course, 100%. <laughs> they're really cool people. Stella AI. Yeah, um, they came out to our dealership. I, you know, I saw them do a demonstration at the conference, and um, they came out to our dealership, and it's AI receptionist. That's smart. But it does not replace all the receptionists. Yeah, my receptionist may be on a phone call with someone, maybe doing a cash receipt, maybe giving a customer a tag, answering customers you know, concern while they wait for their finance manager to come out and take them back to their office. They're very busy. And sometimes we have three receptionists there at a time that are busy dealing with the people in front of them, whether it be a sales associate, a sales manager, finance, a customer, um, anybody, as someone asking where the restroom is. Yeah. You know, but in the meantime, phones are ringing off the hook. Mm. And you know, and I challenge anybody to, of course, go look at their phone logs and see that, you know, missed calls. Yeah. There are missed calls. Unbelievable yeah. amount of missed calls. So what Stella AI does and, and products like it, I'm sure, is they will answer the phone and they will handle the majority of questions. Times oh, wow. you open. Where are you located? Okay. Based on recognition from your phone number, you can make a service appointment. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, and you could tell them what you want to come in for. And you don't have to be, like, really specific. You can say, you know, I, my, my car's making a weird noise. You know, uh, how many, you know, and, and AI will ask, how many miles? Oh, around 25,000, you know, and it'll make a service appointment for you. Yeah. But in the meantime, while they're on the phone making that service appointment, and, of course, that that system can handle 20, 100 cars, oh, yeah, uh, 100 yeah, calls yeah, at a time. Yeah, yeah. It's 24-7. The people that used to answer that are busy helping the customer standing in front of them. Mm. So I don't see it at all as a replacement. I see it more as an enhancement. Yeah, an augmentation. Helping, yeah. allowing us to take care of those customers that are in front of us, to take care of that customer on the phone that has a more complex problem mm. that AI, you know, that AI will probably never, you know, I don't think ever be able to fix. Yeah. But, um, and then let other people get on and off that phone quickly yeah. handling something so um i i do think it's i, I don't think it'll replace yeah that's like you know what I, I bring this bring this up a lot and there's a lot of good ai products out there and i think stella is the one do they do the ro's will they fill out the stories in the ro's is that the same company i don't think so. i i'm there, not sure we only talked about the service appointment there was one company and i thought it was stella that they you know, a, a service, you know, service tech will be like needs breaks all in caps. You know what I mean? Like right. rather than being needs breaks, it's, you know, he'll write the, the AI will write out the whole story based on the actions taken. So it's like 30,000 mile check done, no needs breaks or whatever. And it will write out the full story rather than, you know, sending the customer uh, for an approval, all caps, you know, N-E-E-D, you know, breaks, right? It's like just this, you know, just uh, um, kind of blanket statement of what it's going to look like. So right. I thought that was pretty cool. But um, what, what I was going to say before is that, you know, it's like, how do you kill a great BDC agent? It's like you have them make 100,000 mind-numbing calls where they're going to find one or two nuggets of customer interaction, right? It's like if you have an outstanding um, BDC agent that's killing it out there, that's like sending gifts and sending text messages and communicating with the customer, sending their birthdays and have real uh, authentic engagement, have them use that and then have the AI do the mining of all the 
kind of garbage, right? It's like this automated stuff until they're, you know, if they're cold, have the AI automate all that garbage. And then when it's a warm, when they've engaged a couple of times and it's warmed up, get them to the authentic person. So I don't know if it's the business that doesn't, ha that hasn't clicked yet, but I'm, I keep seeing, you know, people either use AI as this blanket solution or, and, and, and bastardize the whole process and throw the whole thing away or they're worried about being replaced. Right, right. And I think if they did it where, you know, they, they used it to make the process better, yeah. you know, AI could be busy making those surface appointments, canceling surface appointments, answering some simple questions, and your staff could be creating memorable experiences for your customer. Because it's not just about coming in and buying a car. You want that customer to have a great experience. Yeah. I know at headquarter, you know, we have... Uh, we have a wall with, um, you know, five-star reviews. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I keep seeing these reviews where, you know, they created, they made it a wonderful experience to buy a car. It's it's a stressful experience to buy a car. Yes. Even yeah. for even for me, who's been in the industry for a long time. And, you know, the, they take the time with the customer to explain everything, to show them all the features of the car. When you take that time and you're not rushing someone in and someone out so you can get to the next sale, that customer's going to remember that time you spent with them to show them, to explain the terms, to explain the financing, to explain what they're signing. Yeah. They're going to remember that and they're going to come back to you. So, you know, that little more time that you're spending with them creates that memory, makes them tell someone else about it. Mm. You know, that now they're saying, hey, I got a great new, you know, look at my new car. It was a great experience. Oh, or, you know, or if someone says, oh, isn't that a hassle? Well, no, it was great. Yeah. No, I can, you can tell from, and I, I wanted to get into this a little bit, is like you can tell how great the organization is by just like walking, like I've walked into all your guys' dealerships mm -hmm. and you can really tell that it's a great culture. You know, it's like some dealerships, there's like a scent in the air, you know, like right. something you're like, oof, I don't know about this place. And you can kind of tell like the fine details like if stuff's kind of messed up and the place is not really taken care of and the, everybody's kind of angry or sitting outside like sharks smoking cigarettes, like you guys walk into your, if you, somebody walks into your organization, everything's like there's activity, everybody's nice. They have like, there's a lot, like you see a lot more like employee engagement things at, yes. than at most dealerships, like stuff written on the, you're like, oh, that's like, you know, good job, so-and-so, you guys did something awesome and like shout outs and you kind of see that through the whole, the whole organization. You're like, this is pretty cool to see that and you can really tell that the organization jeez yeah, something else <laughs> cheryl's um uh, petting our, our dog shelby now <laughs> i can't resist a dog yeah, i can't re yeah, re resist pets <laughs> he, he warms up to you so <laughs> but um you know like you you can see organizations that have that culture that permeates everything that you guys do how have you what's that been like i know you've been at several different organizations everyone having its own style but it seems like Headquarters has something pretty special going on. Headquarters has something very special going on. Um, my very first week, I parked in employee parking, and as I walked to my office, you know, I had been introduced to the managers to, you know, they took me on a tour through the whole dealership. But as I walked past the body shop where all the, the body men were doing their work outside, they all said good morning. Every oh, wow. single one of them said good morning. And when, you know, my second day there, I finally got to meet the owner, and I said, uh, he said, how do you like it? I said, you know, everybody says good morning to me. Everybody's been so warm and welcoming. I've, I've never, even being at a place for a long time, I, I never remember 
having that. And, you know, yes, the layman organization is fantastic. The, the layman family is fantastic. It was just very different back then. Yeah, it's just And, you know, style, and the people yeah. you worked in with your group and, and you know, I definitely have, I'm, I'm still friends with many people I worked with then. Um, but there's just something very special about where I am. And, of course, I'm doing something different now. So, you know, it's a different experience. But whether I walk into the store in Toyota or in the Honda store in Claremont or Hyundai store in Sanford, sales associates that don't know me greet me. You know, of course, we have our uniform shirt on and our name tag. But everybody is just warm and friendly and inviting. Mm. And I haven't really had to deal with anyone who wasn't um, in this organization. And I just think it's because, you know, um, they look for the right associates. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, I I just feel that they look for, I I don't know. It's friendly. I don't know what it is. It's like magic. They just find the right people. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's a kind of esoteric thought about that is like, you know, people talk about like the law of attraction and stuff like that. And they say like, like attracts like. It's like the more an organization is a certain way, they'll attract more people of that of that ilk, you know. And so that and that works both ways, right? For the positive and for the negative, right? And I've certainly walked into organizations like headquarters and you know other organizations across the country, and you can just kind of tell the temperament of the dealer, right? Like you can tell the fabric of the dealer, and you're like, oh, this is this this organization is, you know, open and welcoming. And then you walk into some other organizations, you're like, oof, you know, it just kind of right. puts your you on on high alert. But that's I, I that one of the things that most impressed me about your guys' organization is that everybody that I've talked to is like that. It's kind of is really open, very courteous, very nice. The shot you can see it from the leadership. I follow you on Instagram and your social media. You know, we're, we're friends on Facebook, and I can always see you guys doing something. He's like, oh, you know, where you went on this retreat, and you know, like, and we're doing this, and we're doing that, and well, I'm like, it's really cool to see that, you know, from an outsider's perspective. You know, headquarters is always doing something, whether it's. Um, team building with associates or having a um, pumpkin decorating or a snowman decorating um, contest between the departments at Christmas time um, to doing things in the community. Headquarter helps is huge. Um, really? Headquarter helps. Uh, we're a title sponsor for the jingle bell jog. Okay. Or the jingle bell. I don't think it's called that anymore. The reindeer run. Um, okay. And it supports veterans. Um, that's really? in Miami lakes. So that's we do huge. that every year. It's huge. Um, so much just goes on um, with a local church in the community. Uh, we're a big sponsor okay. of their, um, they have like a, a festival every year and we have volunteers that go there. They hand out shirts, they hand out prizes, lots of swag. Um, they just have a lot of um, things that Headquarter Helps does in the neighborhood, whether it's needing three or four of our associates to go and help maybe, you know, pack backpacks for kids for school to huge events like that uh, 5K. I mean, that's a big event. Uh, it takes Man. a lot of sponsors from, from Headquarter Helps. And when I see them, you know, come in in their red Headquarter Helps shirts and their red Converse, so this is their, their <laughs> oh, nice, uniform, nice. it um, it just makes me smile because I know they're out there. Um, they're out there doing for the community. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a really great thing. And, and the Orlando stores do it as well. Um, they're very involved with Claremont. Um they're always they're always out there doing something. Yeah, it seems like it creates a sense of exchange with the community, and that they always see you know that 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 the auto group is doing something, and then they, you know, see it as a great organization to do business with. Yes. Yeah, and you can see that from the employment side too. It's like 
there's a job opening at headquarters. I'm like reposting, you know, like, hey, that's a great, <laughs> you know, I'm always going to repost and say, hey, this is a great, a great opportunity over here because I know the group and I know how strong you guys are with your culture. So it's it's really cool to see to, you know, recommend anybody to go to go join the team, you know. Right. And I actually have um, recruited quite a few people I've worked with at other dealerships really? to work with me there at headquarters. And um, I know what you mean, because I, I, I previously worked for a dealership for a little while and you know, there's places I would not, you know, recommend. I wouldn't have recommended somebody to come there yeah. just because I don't want them to call me up and be mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> but um, definitely at headquarter, um, I have, I, I believe I'm up to three um, really? that I used to work with that I've known for years and years and years. And, and you see how many, th- how much those places will like augment the best, you know, like in great cultures, they'll augment the best of you. And in, uh, in terrible cultures, it will augment the worst of you. You right. know, it's like you'll go to like your, just like people are so much a, a product of their environment. You know, right? It's so wild. That's so wild to see. Right? Yeah, I just had a um, a young lady come back to the car industry, who left the car industry years ago, and said, you know, we kept in touch over social media, and said. I'll only come back if I work with you. And we had an opening. Oh, that's cool. And I reached out to her and I'm like, hey, do you want to come by? And she goes, I'm actually on my way to a job interview somewhere else. I go, okay, go do that one, but then come here after. <laughs> <laughs> and she did. And she's she's there today. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah, it's really that's great. great. Really so great. tell me about, um, you know, I, I some of the strongest women, some of the coolest women that I've ever met, most professional women I met in the automotive business, yes. right? I have tons of respect for it. And I know that the automotive business can be a double-edged sword, you know, whatever you want to call that, right? It can be a toxic environment for women or it can be a thriving environment depending on the culture and the organization. What are some challenges and some benefits that you've seen in that, like being a woman in the automotive business? Well, in the beginning, it wasn't easy. Mm. It definitely wasn't easy. Um, You know, I remember back in the day and someone would come in and say, let me talk to your IT guy. Hmm. Because, you know, my desk was towards the front. And I'm like, okay, well, that's me. And they're like, no, no, for real. <laughs> oh, geez. Where's the guy? And I'm like, okay, I'm the guy. And then, of course, you know, at, at the time, I had to start building a staff. And my staff was all men. Mm. Um, and for the majority, it worked out great. Okay. You know, however, you know, you, you just... You know, different people, different personalities, and then, you know, you have someone working, and you're the manager, and, and you're managing, and, you know, yeah, we kept it fun. I mean, it's IT. You've got to keep it fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, But, you know, when, when you know, someone would call you babe or hun, even if you weren't their uh, manager, just another coworker, you're like, excuse me? Like, yeah. no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> so, you know, it, cool. it was, right, it was difficult, and I remember stepping up at one point, um, when we had a meeting at the dealership, you know, back when I was still like the data entry clerk slash changing a reel, but then a lot of stuff started happening and they had a management meeting and they called me in to get my opinion about everything with the computers going on and what we needed to do. And I said, you know, they were talking about hiring someone and I said, wait a second, I'm doing the work right now. Like I'm raising my hand. Let me do this. Mm. And a man in the room said absolutely no way just absolutely he said that is absolutely not going to happen and i'm like wait a second (laughs) i'm doing i'm doing the work i'm getting called 24 24 7 um 
you know, I'm handling things, I'm fixing things, I'm cleaning up viruses, I'm figuring it out. Yeah. Why won't you let me do this? I'm already doing it. Long story short, he wasn't with the company much longer. I'm not sure why. And they said, hey, are you still willing to do that? And oh, I said, geez. well, I'm already doing it, so yes, let's yeah, do it. Exactly. Um, Might so as well I pay it. me for it. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, which they really did it back in the day. It was still clitor- yeah, considered yeah. a very clerical position. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's still considered a very clerical yes. position. <laughs> and then, and then um, you know, I can remember um, when we built a car dealership. And before you know it, I was on a job site with the electrical riser blueprints. Yeah. Working with the uh, the people who did the electrical and the cabling, telling them where I needed stub ups and where I needed, you know, isolated ground and where my copiers were going to be and where yeah. this was going to be. And here comes in a consultant they hired. And he's like, well, that's my job. And I'm like, wait, like on site to the job site. Jeez. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I just marked the whole thing up with little like, you know, all my little triangles. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah, done. Yeah. I'm done. Here you go. I'm done. Yeah. Because I asked questions and I figured out how to do this. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, to go to then buy cells where I would walk mm-hmm. in and there would be a room full of, you know, owners and partners. And it was all men. And I would say, you know, I'm the IT person that's coming in to meet with their IT person. And everything I would say, a man would turn to another man and say, is that right? Oh, so, you know, it was hard. It took, it took a long oh. time, but it's changed, at least, yeah. at least in the organization where I am now. Yeah. At Champion, or at, um, at Headquarter, women are championed. Um, oh, that's awesome. We go to a conference every year called Women in Automotive. Okay. And at that Women in Automotive conference, you have everything from female technicians female finance directors, female dealer principals, um, female women that work for the manufacturers. Um, you know, it's un- unbelievable. Um, and they're just there to help share information, mentor, lift each other up. Uh, it's wonderful. It's how I met my current mentor that oh, I've been working great. with for a year. And she's, uh, um, she's absolutely amazing. Um, I love, love working with her. So how, how important is it for, you know, just people in, in general to have a mentor? Like, what does that provide for you? It's, it's an incredible experience because, um, you know, what does it do? Um, it increases your, your ability to think outside the box. Maybe okay. you thought about this situation or handling a situation with staff in one way and you're not really looking at it from from another perspective um my mentor is kathy gilbert she works for cdk okay um and she's just amazing and although she doesn't work in a dealership it's okay because a lot of the things that we talk about are about leadership yeah um and currently i'm working with her as a mentor uh, mentee relationship but now I am learning to step into that role to be a mentor for other people in the for group, other yeah. people as well not just in my group um, I currently have an office manager at another Toyota dealership that is eventually taking over oh, for her nice. controller and I've been working with her for a little while and we got to talking and we actually know each other we work together after a few minutes we're like wait a minute really? are you that person oh are you that person yes we were the we remembered each other after a couple of minutes of conversation. 
Um, and now through the Southeast Toyota uh, Controllers Association, uh, Controllers Conference that they have, um, we were assigned, um, if you wanted to step up and be a mentor or a mentee, you put your name on a list. And um, I've been assigned someone. So they have a new program that they're going to start this summer um, where oh, we're going to so work cool. with people who are newer controllers and not only newer controllers, but maybe a newer controller at a Toyota store. Oh, uh, Okay. So, you know, they get to learn some of the things. Um, you know, that's more of a helping them with, like, the manufacturer and things like that. It's yeah. not so much as a relationship like, you know, um, a mentor-mentee relationship like Kathy and I have where we talk about literally everything. Um, so I'm working towards that um, and being hopefully, hopefully one of these years, a, a mentor with Women in Automotive where I can mentor other women who are up and coming in the auto industry, regardless of what they want to do in the industry. That's great. Or, yeah. or men, that's fine too. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine, women or men. <laughs> no, I just think that there's, you know, there's, you know, obviously the car business has been, been male-dominated for many years. Yes. But I think it's it's such a cool opportunity. Like, I, I love seeing women, you know, with, in, in this group that I'm in, this modern-day car sales thing. And, and we went to... Uh, we went to, there's this thing called the Automotive On Conference. Mm -hmm. And we go, it's in, it's at Carnow's. Um, are you familiar with Carnow? No. Um, they're a big vendor in the car business. Okay. And um, we go to their offices. And her name's Jessica. She's uh, she's with CMA, you know. Um, are you familiar with CMA? Um, Liza Borges, Borges, no. Borges, I think it was, it was her last name. But um, anyway, she's a kind of a famous, you know, group. And, you know, she was like, single mom, mother of two got into the BDC, and then has just, like, was like, I just need a chance. You know, just like one of those stories, right? He's like, just give me a chance. And she came in, she was part of our group, and then just getting kind of poured into every morning, and we're all talking, and we're all becoming friendly. And she's out there killing it. Like, That's great. Doing so incredibly well. And she got a standing ovation at the, at the conference. Everybody's like, you know, just kind of everybody kind of, it, it was had I don't know how else to put it, but it had like this, you know, like spiritual retreat vibe to it. You know, right. it was like it was just so cool to see that. It's like the automotive business is filled with those stories of people that are, you know, maybe came like second chances or just needed a chance or whatever that looks like, and, and just created these incredible careers out of it. And I'm so proud to be part of that that community. You know, it's wonderful. I I got to talk with so many incredible people at that Toyota conference. And there was a controller that I don't remember talking to her last year. We probably would say hello in passing. Um, but we sat down and talked, and she had a similar story where she, you know, did everything in the office, was a receptionist, uh, worked in the office, did sales, became a general manager. Oh, wow. And she's now, you know, a controller for, a controller for this group. And I said to her, your story needs to be told. Yeah. And she looked at me, and I said, Think of all the young people that are out there, yep. or maybe not young, maybe who are just starting in the industry, to hear that there's opportunity, yeah. that there is growth, you know, that there there are things you want to do. So, you know, when I came to work for headquarter, um, I was the controller for their Toyota store. They were building a Mazda store, which um, opened about, mm, I think, nine months after I started working there. And then they had the Honda and Hyundai stores. I really didn't do much with them because they hired me to be the controller for just Toyota. So as it got closer and closer to Mazda opening, they asked me if I can help out with Mazda. 
I said, of course, you know, let's, let's see what we do, you know, we'll do. And um, after that first Women in Automotive conference, uh, one of the speakers said, don't be afraid to speak up and ask for what you want. Mm, that's a powerful message. Do not be afraid. At that moment, my boss was sitting next to me, my boss, Judy. And after a couple minutes, I wrote down on a piece of paper and I said, I need to ask you something when we get back to the office. (laughs) And she said, ask me on the break. (laughs) So we go out on the break to have a cup of coffee. And I I said to her, "Um, I would like to be the controller for all of your stores. Good for you. I want to do that. Go big or go home. And she said, okay. And then we talked about it. And she's like, you know, that's a lot of work. That is a lot, you know. And, and it wasn't, she didn't say, okay, here, have these other two stores, you know, here, the work is yours now. It was gradual. I started yeah. doing a few things. I started getting more involved. I started visiting the stores. Um, it became a little bit at a time. And now I can say that we're at the point where I'm able to do their financial statements and close their month. And, you know, she's our chief financial officer. So at the end, you know, she still over, you know, looks at the financial statement and everything goes over with the owners. Um but I sit and go over expenses with my GMs and, yeah. and go over everything and get it all to that point where she looks at it and set with ownership and says, okay, it's good to go ahead and transmit. But she's not involved um, at month end anymore with those, you know, that huge long checklist of, of things that need to be done. Yeah. You know, just because she's such a great teacher. It has a competent team. Yeah. And she, and yes, and we have an amazing team at all of the locations and she has taught me and she was patient. And if I didn't know something, I would say, hey, you know what? I've never done that before. I was an assistant controller when I came to headquarter. So I never had that role. I helped, you know, I would help with certain projects, but I never had that whole responsibility. And she taught me, you know, mm. she taught me more probably in the first six months there than I had learned from anybody. Wow. You know, in my whole career. Jeez. She's amazing. That's, I mean, that's talk so much about leadership. You know, it's like how much a good leader can be impactful in your career and just blossom somebody's new skill set that they never had before. So that's, that's incredible. I mean, but you were all, you also had the courage to ask and say, Hey, I'm, I'm open to do this as well. You know, I, I was taught a long time ago. The only thing people can say is no. Yeah. And I've heard no, I've heard no yeah. a lot. And, you know, sometimes no is a, is a good thing because then, you know, you're a different opportunity arises. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I've left an organization for being told no, mm. you know, and, and saying, okay, well, I don't feel like I have room to grow here anymore. Yeah. So now I'm going to make a change. Um, so, you know, as, as hard as it is sometimes, to leave and make that change. It, it was the best, absolute best thing for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolute best. And, you know, um, it's great. <laughs> I'm in a great place. <laughs> so how's your background in technology giving you, has, you know, I, I always have this, I always have this thought that like IT people or people that have a technology background know kind of everything in the background, you know, like how everything's kind of working. You must have a superpower because you know it from <laughs> the background, like how the, the, you know, the minions work behind the scenes and also from a financial perspective. So you probably have such a deep understanding of the organization that's 
probably be pretty useful. Right. I mean, it really does help because, you know, IT is in a dealership and I'm sure, you know, in other industries as well is beyond the break fix. Yeah. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of it is that system administration and setting up of your DMS systems. Um, you know, how does everything interface into one another? Yeah. Because if things aren't set up correctly, you can have, you can have a lot of problems, but yes, as far as, um, you know, for instance, when the computers are slow, um, in the office, you know, you know, there's something going on. Okay. I automatically think we've got to be on backup internet. Yeah. And of course I text IT and where they say, Oh, we're on our backup internet. <laughs> <laughs> we're on our backup internet. Yeah. And you know, when, when things aren't working pro- properly, you know, there's always, I automatically like think, okay, there's, there's gotta be something going on here, but yeah. you know, it's wonderful. It, it's very helpful um, when thinking about like an active directory hierarchy. Yeah. Um, when it comes to knowing who needs access to what, yeah, that is really, really important. Yeah, because if you don't have, if you don't work with IT and say the payroll group, you know, there's different things in payroll. You have your payroll clerks, you have your HR directors, yep, you have the people who are in onboarding. They don't all have the same access. No, and you don't want every you know everybody Absolutely access to pay. Absolutely not. Pay plans and yeah, you know, everything that. needs <laughs> to be. Everything needs to be in its home. It's just you know imagine a building with a ton of doors. Yeah, and all those doors have a lock on it, and inside those doors, there's lots of other doors and locked file cabinets. Yep, and there are very few master keys. Yep, and you have to be very careful about who has a key to open what. Yeah, you know to put it into. Yeah. To, uh, I mean, just something as simple as onboarding and offboarding, you know, new hires and terms. Car business has a lot of turnover. And you, you, if, you're, if you don't have a process set up for that, it can be a disaster, especially with the regulations that are coming up. It's just oh, absolutely. not good at all, you know. Just that checklist that um, HR has to have to, um, you know, remove access from key fobs, turn that access off. Turn the CDK access off. All those applications that they log into. Yeah. Um, you know, now we all have authenticators on our phones, like half a dozen authenticators for different websites. Yep. You know, they have a checklist of everything they've, that an, an associate's been given access to so they can go down and turn it all off if the time should come. Have you guys done the simple ID rollout for CDK yet? I believe many people are. I'm on it. That's the the, the black icon. Yep, the black I'm and white icon. It. Yeah, that's, that's a good rollout. That's a good good step up from them that they're doing that multi factor authentication. Right, and and so many so many of the websites are. Yeah. Um, you know, with all those <laughs> codes I have on my phone constantly, it's like <laughs> if you forget your phone, you can't work. Oh yeah, you, <laughs> you got to go home and yeah, get you it. You got to go get go, go <laughs> You got to go it, get yeah. it, or you know, because not even your Apple Watch will save you. Yeah, in those not at all. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Um, you know, the, one of the things that I'm that I'm really encouraging dealerships to see is to look at technology as a force multiplier rather than like a net negative. And what I mean by that is like, you know, the everybody should be everybody's help desk, right? In some capacity. So if you're a controller at one location, you can jump on a Teams call and then share your screen and say, "This is how you load this deal to this." you know, account, or this is how you structure your chart of accounts for this. And this is how you reconcile this. And you can be your own help desk. And so I'm like thinking like from a systems perspective, like how do you make the organization denser? You make the organization denser by creating new connections. 
like your warranty administrator talking directly with uh, service technicians or with the foreman. And then they're chatting back and forth and they can be like, hey, look at this, look at that. And then they're not kind of chasing each other around and you create a more dense organization and technology has the ability to do that. It does. And, and you have to use it. Yeah. You have to use it. Because if you don't, you know, like if you look at something like a month end, let's mm. say an office manager, um, a bookkeeper, and your controller all have their month end checklists. And you're working on five stores at the same time. And, you know, item three can't be done until items one or two are done. Well, item one might be one person. Item two might be another. So everybody's constantly asking, is this finished yet? Is that done yet? Is this finished yet? Is that done yet? So it's something like I'm working on in my mind, like, you know, okay, I I think of it as a Google Doc, but, you know, with just vague things on it because, you know, that's not a a very secure document. It's out there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. You want to you do know, it in SharePoint. Right, right. Do it in SharePoint. <laughs> yeah. But just to say, you know, when you're finished with a task, you know, because um, the one person might be working remotely. Yep. One person might be working in Claremont and one person's here in Miami, you know, and to be able to stop emailing each other, this is done, that is done. Just I can't keep, imagine the It's mess. just constant. Oh, and then, golly. and then you know, I'll ask someone, oh. hey, you know, is, is this finished yet? And she goes, oh, yeah, emailed it to you three years ago or, or three, <laughs> three hours ago. So, yeah. you know, now it's buried under 30 emails yeah. and you have to go back and you have to find it. Yeah. If we could just use something that's like a shared everything that's like, okay, this is what Jennifer's responsible for. This is what Rhonda's responsible for. Yeah. This is, these are all real people, by the way. Fabulous, <laughs> fabulous people. Um you know, I think it will help us, and and I'm and I'm, and we're moving towards there. We have streamlined so many processes. That's great. Yeah, we have, we have, um, you know, we are done closing, ready to submit the financial statement for the four stores plus our rent a car. This month, we did it in five business days. Oh, that's outstanding. And you know, what do you do for, with for the rest of the five days? Yeah, the other five days, <laughs> we go to the beach. <laughs> No, no, you know, you, st- you start working on because in addition, That's you know, in, in yeah. addition to having that going on, you know, you're in the audit period and, yeah. you know, there's just a million other things to get done. And then what can you work on? You can work on growing those associates. Yeah. You know, I, I heard someone say one time, it's, you know, it's all about making your C players, B players and your yep. B players, A, a players, yeah, exactly. A players, all stars and your yep. all stars legends. You don't have time to do that if you're closing the month for Almost two weeks yeah, exactly, of the month. Exactly. Because th- by the time you catch up from closing the month, it's time to close another yeah. one. And that doesn't work for anybody. There's no time for training. There's no time for culture. There's no time for uh, for cross-training people. There's no time for anything. Yeah. Right. There's no time to to change things, to make things leaner. I, I just, I'm, you know, this is probably going to, you know, if someone's listening and they're a, a master black belt, Lean Sigma 6 black belt, yeah, they're going to yeah, yeah, laugh yeah. at me. <laughs> but I just started... Lean Sigma Six. Okay. And I got my white belt. I know people don't oh, even recognize that one. It's a belt. <laughs> it's a belt. It's a belt. Um, but <laughs> now, you know, I'm, I said, you know, I know some people start at like yellow or green, but I'm kind of like, I don't know. I kind of like the whole process. Okay. So I'm starting, you know, in pre-K. And, uh, but you know what? There's useful information in it. Yeah. And it's a quick enough, basically it's an intro to Lean Sigma, uh, Lean Six Sigma. Okay. And it's something that I shared with quite a few associates at work, it was about maybe 10 hours of reading okay. and then the little quiz at the end. I think for those of us that don't have a lot of time, 
it's nice to start with that quick little look at it versus I know have some, you know, people I know in the business that are starting with their green belt. Yeah. And their project is going to take a year. There's a lot of people that will do it for maybe a month yeah. and then stop. But I think if you start and you get somebody to buy into it mm. just by learning those fundamentals of, you know, lean processing and eliminating wasteful steps yeah. and you get that buy-in and they get that little certificate to print out, you know, it's a free course. Yeah. It's a yeah, free yeah. course. And now they're excited about the next step. So maybe the next step takes them a little longer but they're not jumping into it with a year. Because, you know, if you tell me I, I'm gonna, I have to finish a course, that's a year. Yeah. I'd probably do it. <laughs> but <laughs> but starting out and getting them excited, especially people who are completely unfamiliar with it. So you know what? If I was going to share that with my team, I wanted to start with what I'm going to share that. I, I've done intro before. I, I didn't do a certification. I've done intro before years ago. So if I'm going to ask somebody to do it, I'm going to do it first. Mm. And then I'll be able to, you know, when they come back with their feedback. And that's, and that's the one thing I ask them. When you're done, can you tell me, give me some feedback? Yeah. I want to hear, what, what is your takeaway from that? You know, so right now I'm waiting on, on, on a, one associate, um, an, a fellow manager, to come and give me his feedback. And he and I have had a lot of conversations. And he recently told me that he's going to start mentoring a new parts manager Oh, it's that's in a dealership great. in another state that he met, and I'm really excited for him. That's awesome. So, yeah. Man. I mean, imagine if everybody was, you know, the organization was like a Lean Six Sigma white belt. You know, like, like you'd have such a common language to understand. And just doing that, you know, like a lot of the, you know, the higher you go, the benefit is like smaller, <laughs> right? It's like it does have some you know, some, some leaning out for to, to, to <laughs> lack of a better term of how much progress you can make. Right. right absolutely. But it's like, if you, in a, if you go to a dealership and you implement normal meetings, right. You implement, you know, contracts in transit, you, you know, you're looking at service. You can't imagine how much that increase increases the productivity or the, or the organization just by being a little bit organized, you know, um, one of the one of the guys in this group, he wa he runs a Merce really 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 successful Mercedes store in Ohio. And I've, have you heard of Monday.com? No. So Monday.com is like really popular, and it's like sales. You know, you've heard of Salesforce, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like Salesforce, but you know, for project management. And he manages fixed through Monday.com, like a ticketing system. So every car or every vehicle that's going through service is, a, is in a queue and it has a ticket assigned to it. So it's like, okay, so what's going on with, you know, Ms. Lopez with her vehicle? So you look up the VIN or you look up the ticket for that vehicle and you're like, oh, no, it's in parts. The technician already looked at it. The parts, and they integrated that with Teams or Slack. And you can, everybody communicates and then everybody knows exactly what's happening in the workflow and the ecosystem of the of, of fixed, right, of the service environment. Warranty can talk, parts can talk. Hey, the t there's no truck today, guys. You know, everybody, hey, attention, everybody. There's no truck arriving today, so everybody knows that there's no truck arri or parts arriving today. But but he said something that, that cut pretty hard in the car business. He said, you know, sometimes you can you can run the car business like an actual business, not, not like a dealership. And I was like, oof, that cut deep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what comes up every time I hear about technology is like, 
you know, you see some of these dealers that are that are leveraging technology to be a multi faceted multi-level communication platform that you can have channels for accounting for sales for executive team for you know trade appraisals for contracts and transit and everybody's communicating each other and it's like with each other and you're just creating more density in the system right it and technology are so much more than the break fix keep me from getting a virus yes keep things running smoothly Mm -hmm. that it was back in the 90s when i did it And, you know, I don't want to say that's one of the reasons I moved back into accounting from IT, because there's definitely a point where the continuing education and trying to work and having children and a family, you know, it becomes a lot of work. Um, So, you know, I did the classes. I did the A+. I did the Net+. I did the MCSE, you know, dealer programming school with ADP. You know, I did all of that. But you cannot stop learning and you can't stop learning about all of these wonderful things. Like it's like you said, it's not just about um, being the people that you come and complain to that my computer's running slow. Yeah. No, it's bringing in these solutions that are going to work hand in hand with Lean Six mm-hmm. Sigma and make things yes. make things more efficient. And it's not just about efficiency. It's about error reduction. Yes. But effectiveness. Effective error yes. reduction. Amen. Yes, yes. I mean it's 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 huge. And um, you know, it's just it's just something that keeping everybody communicating, keeping everyone on that same page is you know, especially when you're all working on a project together instead of texting each other and yeah. emailing each other saying, A is done, B is done, C is done, oh I can't finish E until tomorrow. Yeah. And now I can't start F until you finish E and it's just we need to get there. <laughs> we will. We will get there. But um, you know, it's just it's just something. As as far as I was concerned, you know, I loved the accounting part of it, and always got pulled back into that accounting part of it. Oh. And it, and you know, at some point, I I literally said, um, you know, it was probably uh, about ten or eleven years ago, and I was just carrying a really heavy printer down a set of stairs, and I said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Is there? I, don't want, I want to go home. <laughs> do you have a desk for me in accounting? Yeah, and. Um, and I tried to get that desk back in accounting with that group, but they just didn't um, have an opportunity for me. And I waited a really long time, 18 yeah. months. I, I stuck it out because I wanted to be there forever. But, um, you know, yeah, I tried. But I had to go find that opportunity, and I did. So you were talking a little bit about um, designing the dealership from an IT perspective, from the blueprints. Yes. What, let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> I mean, so many times there's not an IT room. No, it was one of the biggest things I fought for oh, when man. we had those blueprints. And I said, oh, where's, where's the MDF? Yeah. And they're like, the what? So for, for, oh, those the closet. Not, for those not knowing what an MDF is, a main data facility. Main data facility, <laughs> yes. So um, one of my very first main data facilities was just uh, full of those big reels that we had yeah. and a line printer mm-hmm. until I got in charge. And I said, okay, we need to move the printer out because nobody needs to be in that room. Yeah. It was, it shared a wall with the uh, restrooms. So if there was flooding, you know, the floor was wet. I think I know exactly what I do. You know know that room is? (laughs) (laughs) And then the first time I walked into the phone closet, because they gave gave the phone system a closet. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, MDF, you were lucky to be on the back of a wall behind a door that somebody was, you know, opening into. into. (laughs) Yes, banging into it. And all the toner was stored in there as well. So... 
Um, when I first walked into that room where all of those cables for all those POTS lines were all over the walls, Uh-oh. guess what, what was in front of them? Three helium tanks. Oh, jeez. So I went and I got the biggest Sharpie I could find. And I drew like a square on the, like anybody would listen to it. I drew like a big rectangular section in front of that wall that was about four feet out. And I said, do not put anything here. (laughs) Okay. And every time I went in there to do something, I had to roll those helium tanks away from that wall. Oh. Because, you know, all of the forms for, you know, finance were stored in there. Yeah. The balloons for the weekend were stored in there. Oh, my (laughs) You know, all the, they would just take like... You know, the, the sales things, the, the bows for Christmas for the cars. Every, yep. Shove everything in that room. Yeah. And, you know, I would go in there and a line would be down. Well, something was leaning against the wall. I'm like, guys, come on. Yeah. You know. It's just so self-inflicted in some capacity. It is. Yeah. So, you know, back then when when you're building a dealership, you had to fight for those rooms. Yeah. Because I can remember nearly every parts manager I, know, I knew had a rack in his office. Yep, 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 yep. Absolutely. Why? Because they usually yep. had a pretty big office. Mm-hmm. There was nowhere to put it back there in parts because yep. every square inch had parts. Yep. The parts managers had a rack in their office and they knew how to shut down and bring that thing up. Yeah. Whether you did it on the phone. <laughs> it, the, the parts, you know, going going back, the parts manager was always my partner, my IT partner in crime. Makes sense. Because they knew how to bring everything up and down just like I did. Yeah. Because system would go down, they would be in my office because in a parts department, when the system is down... Oh, they're... You can't sell. You're dead, dead in the water. I mean, you could still turn a wrench and, yeah. and change tires, but parts can't do anything. So, you know, they were always my best friend. <laughs> and they always knew how to bring the system up if I was on vacation yep. and yep, something yep, would yep. happen. So, so you know, getting that dedicated space. And, ju- and just now with, um, you know, for, for security purposes, those IT rooms not only need to be their own room, but they need to be... Lockdown. They yep. need to have the correct kind of, you know, sign and uh, sheet, sign and sheet, AC. a system that will, you know, suck the oxygen out of the room in case there's a fire. Yeah. I mean, it's not fire just suppression. The, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for giving me the right name for that. <laughs> uh, see what happened when I went back to accounting. <laughs> yeah, I forget right. all the names of things. Um, but um, you know, getting people to take that seriously was yeah. really, really hard. And I do believe I, I got a, a, a closet in each of those locations, one in the mm. parts department. Instead of it being in his office, it was on the other side of his. They yeah. just made his office smaller to give me a closet. And then, of course, in sales, you know, they put it on the second floor. You know, you had to go through a couple storage rooms and climb your way in there sometimes. So, the, um, you know, I, I always think back to, you know, like just kind of fighting with those with those with those architects and saying hey you got to get this main room that's centrally located that's locked out you know that 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 nobody has access to and that you have battery backups and it's you know it's properly set up because the whole infrastructure basically works off of that you know but um you know i keep thinking like what's you know i've always had this thought it's like who understands the it person better is it fixed or variable and it's always for me fixed the fixed mindset 100 percent. because they know if a if a you know hunter machine goes down that they're going to be in trouble, right? Absolutely. So they understand like long-term planning and effective rate for um, the IT infrastructure. Because if if a variable person will get like a dealer principal that came from variable, you know, like you you know that mindset, mm-hmm. just thinks in that thirty-day turn, right? So they're not going to they're not going to take money out of their pocket unless it's like a you know capex that they're going to you know that they're going to accrue over 
Am I saying that right? That they're going to, you know, spread out over depreciate. the year. Depreciate. over. Excuse yes. me. Depreciate. I'm not an accounting guy. But, yeah, okay. you know, they're going <laughs> to depreciate throughout the whole year and then, you know, break it up. That's, that's not going to come out of their pocket. So that's, it's like the incentive is set up the, the wrong way. It's like I've always thought. It's like the right person to talk about IT is going to be, you know, somebody either from the, from the fixed side or from the accounting department that understands what long-term investment in the infrastructure of the organization is going to give stability. Yes. Variable, um, you know, they're trained. To, you know, don't take no for an answer. Yep. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I remember some of my um, IT calls, you know, you would get a call from someone in parts or service or the body shop and they would be like, you know, the system is down. Do you know how long it will be? Where are the handwritten this? Do you know where this is? You know, we had a system. Yeah. Over in sales, it was a much different phone call. <laughs> it usually involves some yelling. Yeah. It usually yeah. involved one time a sales manager actually told me, um, CD, you know, ADP is down. Um, you do know that you're taking food out of my children's mouths oh, because the system is down. And I'm like, wait, I'm doing what? <laughs> oh <laughs> I'm doing gosh. what? <laughs> Jeez. And, you know, and they're not known for being dramatic at all. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I've ran into him a couple times um, because I think he kind of lives in my neighborhood and yeah. I'm just like, I usually just go the other way. <laughs> but, um, Luckily, I don't work with them anymore. Um, but those were the kind of phone calls. And sometimes there, there was yelling and hollering. And, you know, but I always gave it back to them a little bit. Because at the Christmas party, when my husband would be there sitting next to me, and a sales manager would come up and say hello. And I would say, honey, this is Bob. You remember the one who called us last Sunday screaming? <laughs> That's him. <laughs> That's him. Yeah. You know, the one who's berating me on Mother's Day? That's yeah. him. He's right there. <laughs> but, you know, uh, those calls made me the woman I am today yeah. because I don't take that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, Even back then I didn't, but the, I really don't take it now. The trial by fire that, oh, yeah. that comes <laughs> with being an IT person is just, it gives you a certain, you know, backbone that's that's important, you know. Like I, I, I just remember getting, <laughs> you know, it was like this is completely out of my control. It's like if I could control Comcast, I would be a billionaire, but it's it's just there's no internet from Comcast. Somebody cut the cable. And it's completely down. Until those guys in that hole fix it, your, inter your internet's not going to be back up. And they're like, well, make it happen faster. And he's like, okay, I can go shout at the guys at the hole, you know, that are trying to fix the fiber, but there's literally nothing you can do about it, you know? I, I do remember saying that I'll just, you know, pop on a tool belt and climb the pole outside, you know, when, <laughs> yeah. when you know, when power was out and I'll just go see yeah. if I can fix that transformer myself, <laughs> you know, because in IT, everything is your fault. You yes. know, the lightning last fault. night, that struck yep, 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 the yep, transformer, yep, yep. you know, yeah. I know. And it's just, you know, it's, it's IT has, you know, especially back in the day was always seen as, you know, they're the people you call when you're already upset about something. Yeah. My computer hasn't worked in three days. Okay. Yeah. Why'd you wait three days to tell me <laughs> the first question, you know, yeah. well, I just found out about this now. So, you know, but it doesn't have to be that way and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. It should be just as much of a part of an organization as your accounting office is. Yep. You know, yes, we're not selling anything. Yeah. But we're there making sure everything stays organized, making sure everything runs smoothly. And I see it as just as important as a, as a, a department as accounting as far as making sure things run smoothly, making sure there's communication, making sure there are these tools for us to use so we can make it, keep making it better. Yeah. Which is what we strive to do every day. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of taking those hurdles out of the process and make like it's like 
there's just such a hidden you know benefit to have all the systems running smoothly and that they don't go down because we all you you've experienced what them not running smoothly is i certainly experienced what that is and it's it's just such a you know such a good opportunity to 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 make things better so it's it's i think it can be a powerful a powerful investment tool like we created um like a share you know wire transfers wire transfers are a big deal mm -hmm. right um you know so we were we we heard about a couple of dealers that got that got hit with fraud, right? Yes. It's like the general manager or the owner or the dealer principal, whomever is, you know, in China. It's like, hey, quick, you know, transfer fifty thousand dollars to this account and then you don't double check, you don't double verify. He said, Hey, that's and if the and if the owner is temperamental, it's even worse. Like what's the the I, I always say this, like what's the number one vulnerability of an organization is the owner's temperament. Because if you don't live in an organization where you can say, this doesn't seem right, let me double check with them. And if you double check with them, it's like, thank you for double checking. I really appreciate you being safe and secure. Yes, this was approved. Rather than being like, I told you to approve it the first time, mama. And then you, hackers will take that and exploit that vulnerability, right? So we created like a, like a SharePoint where you send the approvals and it sends the emails to everybody. And it all lives in that SharePoint world so you can prevent that, that hacking from happening. That's great. Um, you know, fraud happens. Fraud attempts happen constantly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw a recent story on the news about for USPS okay. about um, them putting in enhanced mailboxes because of mail theft. Really? Literally, people are stealing entire mailboxes. Wow. They can take all my Bed Bath & Beyond, um, you know, <laughs> the shutters. They can take all that crap. I just need, like, two letters that we get in <laughs> <laughs> and you know they love to take checks yeah and they reprint checks the payee is different a lot of the check looks different has my signature on it really um and i'm not the only dealership with this problem you know when we go to these controllers conferences we're all having this problem and i'm sure other industries are as well you know so you have to move away from mailing checks yeah we um, want to go away from checks completely I don't, I don't even have a checkbook, like personally. Yeah. I don't yeah. even, I don't know. Somebody wants a check. I'm like, what, where's your Venmo? And still there, there's fraud opportunities. Yeah. So it's all about taking the time to train. You know, that, that's another great place that IT comes in is taking the time to train those associates. You know, I know the service manager might say to all the advisors, don't open any emails. You don't know who they're from. Okay. That's a, that's great advice. But what if it does look like it's somebody? Yeah. What if it does look like the owner? What if it does look like someone? Yeah. Are they trained to know to hover over the email address? Yep. Over the name to see that email address? Do they know enough to pick up the phone and say, do you really want me to go buy $3,000 in Visa cards? Yeah, and, exactly. And Apple, call, Apple gift cards. <laughs> Apple gift cards. <laughs> you know, so it, there needs to be a continuous training because like you said, especially with, you know, some of the sales department, you know, there is turnover. It, it needs to be a continuing, continuing part of the process. Not only to say, "Hey, here's how to keep your safe self from getting hurt while working on a car." Yeah. Here's how to keep your data, our data, the companies, the customers, everything safe. Yeah. Now with JLBA coming out, it's going to be a big, big, big thing. Yeah. That compliance is now. You know, it's like what they say in the industry is like, welcome to an in, a, 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 a regulated industry. Is yes. the kind of the, the things like what the healthcare industry went through in the 90s with HIPAA. It's the same thing. 
you know, going through the process. I'm kind of happy for it because I think that, like, like you said, it's like technology. It's like almost the external environment forces uh, dealers to to evolve like COVID did, right? It's like everybody did digital retailing and everybody started working from home and it, like it made dealerships a lot more agile rather than being stuck in their old ways. Yes. I think this regulation is going to do the same thing. It's like, hey, we now we manage all this data. Let's do it a couple of smart ways. And then people are like, what if we could process that data? And we can start pulling information out of that data rather than, you know, uh, the DMS is holding it ransom or whatever that looks like. So you, I think there's, if you look at it the right way, there's huge opportunities in this. Right, Absolutely. It definitely opens up some conversations. Yeah, it definitely open up, opens up some conversations. Well, Cheryl, um, I think this was great. I really, really happy to have you. Um, you know, you're one of the people I look up to in this industry. You know, you. we've been friends for a long time, yes. and I've I've always kept an eye on your career, and I'm super happy and super proud to be your friend. Thank you. So I appreciate everything that you do for us, and and you coming down to to have this conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy we were able to get this coordinated. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was wonderful. Right. And likewise, I've, um, you know, been watching uh, VTech Dealer IT all these years <laughs> since it started. And, um, you know, I've, I've always been super happy with your success. And, um, you know, you guys have such a great team. Thank you. Um, I'm so happy to know so many of them and uh, have, have pictures with even some of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love going back to those fun days. Yeah. Um, and it's just, uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. It's awesome. Likewise. We'll do it again. All right. Sounds All right. great. Thanks, Thank you. Cheryl.